Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and as always, I got my guy Yazin. You know what? I'm not going to even ask you how you're doing because I already know the answer. Uh, I mean, you know, it's I'm, I'm okay. It's nothing, nothing new, really. Just uh, you know, just every day is kind of kind of the same. Um, you know, it just just it's just hanging out. You know, um, nothing, nothing special. <sighs> Let it ride, well, baby. Why are you doing this to me, man? Let it ride. <laughs> All right, man. We got to cut the crap here. I don't think there's anything we really need to discuss this week, actually. Should we cut the episode short? Oh, no. We got to give the people what they want. <laughs> we got to talk about it, sir. All right. Well, I guess there are some things we'll be talking about. As you can tell, I'm having a horrible day. I am having a very bad day. I am in no mood. This, today, is one of the worst days that I've had in a long time. I'm not in the mood to play with anybody. Let's get on it and just drop this damn beat, will ya? So on this week's episode of Runda, we'll discuss the debacle that is the New York Knicks and Toronto Raptors round two. Since you got the win so graciously, Yazin, I'll let you talk about the game. Debacle? Who, who said it's a debacle? Uh, on, on my end, it was uh, it was not a debacle. It was actually a great, great victory. You know what? It probably could have been much, much better. But, you know, the Knicks, as they are, like to give me anxiety, uh, you know, from time to time, actually more often than not, especially in the last sort of 10 games where every game has been decided by like three or four points, which is uh, pretty painful for me. I'm losing hair everywhere, basically. Um, but yeah, this one was uh, was also another nail biter. It would go from up 18 to, to down seven and just up and down. And when, when it's the Raptors, man, it's just it's personal for me, man. It's just like it's like the Knicks have a lot of rivals. You can say Boston, you can say Brooklyn, Miami. For me, it's the Raptors, man. Like, from the time I've been in high school and I moved here, and you guys have been giving me crap for how bad the Knicks have been. And, like, whenever it's the Raptors, it's like, yo, it's a dog fight, man. I just I want those guys to just be straight-up dogs. And that's what it was yesterday, man. It was, it was painful, but the execution at the end was just chef's kiss. Yeah, I don't know. On my end, you know what? Here's my take. The Raptors' quality of play was so up and down during that game from the very beginning. And, you know, they started to score and get stops consistently for most of the third quarter. And I hoped, and I just hoped, that it would carry over to the fourth quarter. Obviously, from what I can tell, Nick Nurse left the bench on the court for just a little too long since the Knicks brought out their starters. I think they brought out, you know, R.J. Barrett and a few other guys, Julius Randle and Alec Burks. I had no idea this guy's career still exists, but that's another story for another day. Gary Trent Jr. played phenomenal. So did Malachi Flynn, the rookie. Showed a lot of poise. And they did him dirty for not counting that three-point shot in the fourth quarter, which happened to be quite critical, to say the least, when you were looking at the score. The game was chippy nonetheless. I mean, the Raptors got within two points with 20 seconds left. And then they forced the turnover and run on a 4-2 and two fast break where Larry passed the ball to Pascal Siakam, who was running down the middle. And then all he had to do just make the basketball play and just hit Gary Trent Jr. on the 45, and that's an automatic three-point shot you will get. 
Obviously, for some odd reason, he gets nervous. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. And as a result, he double dribbles. Are you kidding me? A double dribble? Oh, come on, man. I haven't double dribbled since middle school. What the hell is this guy even thinking? Costed the Raptors a critical win, which they could put him one game behind the playing tournament. Just horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. I don't know. I'm getting hot talking about this, man. Oh, man. He, 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 had, he had it all in his hands, and he just flopped. I mean... I watched the game and I've been listening to you, your take on, on the Raptors for a long time. And, you know, you're very critical of their players. And I do appreciate that. But I'm starting to realize, and I told you this yesterday, I don't think Pascal Siakam is a, is a franchise player. I really don't. I think they gave him the bag based off of what he did in uh, the, the 2019 finals. And he did great in the 2019 finals. Don't get me wrong. He brought, you know, he was a key integral role in bringing them a championship. But I don't think he's a franchise guy, man. I just, I think he's like a second option, you know, like uh, his, his Beyblade moves continue. He's a Robin. He's a Robin. No. And he hasn't learned from that. Like, you know, once, once Kawhi left, Kawhi took a lot of pressure off of him to be able to do what he wants, to get position down low, to, to have space to dribble. He doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have that anymore. And now people are the magnifying glass is on him and people are starting to realize like, okay, this rebuild that the Raptors are inevitably going to have to go through at some point is their franchise player, Pascal Siakam. I don't think it is. I just don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think that he is the franchise player, but now that I had some time to calm down a bit, just taking a look at his numbers. I mean, we think that this is a very massive down year for someone like Pascal Siakam, you know, getting the money that he's getting, getting the success that, you know, he's had over the last few years is still averaging 21 points per game, seven rebounds and four assists. So if that to me is going to be a quote unquote bad year, then I don't see why not. But at the same time, you know, when you're the number one option, right, where you're getting the ball in your hands in the clutch situation, I should expect you being the man to at least capitalize on some of that. Like, for example, getting back to that last possession where he double dribbled. I can't believe that guy dribble dribbled. I cannot believe it. Anyway, he could have just pulled up for a floater, you know, if he wanted to make up his mind real quick instead of passing the ball and getting nervous. I thought he was going to shoot a nervous shot, which if that were the case, yes, I'd be upset. But at the end of the day, at least you got a shot off. Like, we could have even... We weren't able to get a shot off in that possession, which ultimately costed us the game, right? Either way, I don't know if I can even compliment this next squad, to be honest, who had all their big guns and almost lost to a Raptor squad who didn't have their best 3 and D player in OG Ananobi and their second leading scorer in Van Fleet. So you can enjoy this room right now, but I'm curious all, as to how someone who's supposed to be the number one option. Yeah, all bro. the Rickers, Mitch, Mitchell Robinson's probably out for the year, man. He's their anchor down low. Mitchell Robinson, bro. The Knicks have lost. They've been on a really bad stretch lately of, of losing close games. They've been getting out-rebounded and, you know, out-hustled in the paint. It's because of their missing Mitchell Robinson, man. He's very, very integral. He spaces the floor because you know that you can throw it up to him and he'll, he'll throw down an alley. So they're not 100% healthy. Do, do, do not come at me and tell That's me that they're 100% healthy. But he is a key guy. But Mitchell let's, Robinson. Let's put Mitchell Robinson off to the side a little bit, okay? And let's, let's talk about two guys in particular, okay? Let's talk about my boy, your boy, Julius Randle, okay? Listen, you want to know why the Knicks won that game? No, it's not because of the on-the-court play. It was, it was good. You know what? They, they, they made the plays. No, no, no. The Knicks won that game off the court, and it was the day before that game 
when Julius Randle finally braided his hair. That is what won them the game. <laughs> Julius Randle, braided Julius Randle is is like uh, is what headband headband Kyrie. It's you know uh, you know braided Julius mask Randle. LeBron. You mask LeBron. Yeah, it's it's he's a different player when he has those braids in. Man, so shout out to his wife for braiding his hair. Thank you, thank you, Lord, because the Knicks have been in such a bad stretch since Fro Julius Randle has been playing, and he's been playing well, but. Like that when those braids come in, he had 18 points, at, I think 18 and seven at the half or something like that. He was playing really well. Once he has those braids, man, it's just a just a boost of confidence for this guy. Uh, so watch out, NBA, because when when Julius Randle has those braids in, listen, I don't know if this like just the pressure on his head or something, or if if it just makes him. I don't know what it is. Maybe the sweat is different, but he focuses in like crazy when he has those braids in, and he's a completely different player. The second player I'm going to talk about is the man I'm going to talk about a lot on this podcast, and that is Rowan Alexander Jr. Barrett, R.J. Barrett, okay? Let me Maple talk. Mamba. Maple Mamba. All right, Mississauga Zone, shout out to the 905, all right? Uh-uh-uh. Yeah, eh? that's how you're feeling, eh? Okay, gee! That's my guy right there, and you want to know why? Because he's so disrespected, so disrespected in the NBA, and we're going to talk about why he's disrespected in so many different ways. But I have to say, Thank you to one person in particular, and that man is Anthony Edwards. Okay, Anthony Edwards, the number one pick from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Last week, the Knicks lost to them on a you know last second shot by RJ Barrett. He missed it. It was a pretty good shot. It was a step back over Cat. Uh, he probably could have even leaned in and drew the foul, but I appreciate him for sort of standing up. Then Anthony Edwards after the game said, "You know what? It was we we wanted RJ to take that shot. RJ was the guy we wanted to take that shot." And RJ responded just sort of laughing. He laughed it off and he said, "All right." All right, we'll see. I love. T- I think his exact quote was, I- "I'm going to take the next one." And since then, but, but I mean, is it not facts though? Like R.J. Barrett, it wasn't known to be, you know, that shooter. Like I get it. Like he was maybe shooting like I think what uh, from from the mid range. I think he was shooting like 42 percent, and from the three point line, he was shooting like what 34, 35 percent. So like, you know, getting the ball out of Julius Randle's hand is probably the best thing for the opposition to do. So I didn't see that being somewhat of a diss, rather. Um, you, I don't know about think you. So. You think so. So here, here, here's some stats for you. That Raptors game in, uh, on New Year's Eve, R.J. Barrett went 0 for 8 from 3. Since then, up until that Minnesota game, he, he shot over 40% from 3. After that Minnesota game, he's shooting over 50% from 3. He has five go-ahead buckets in the fourth quarter and overtime over his last few games. And he had a, a key three-point shot against the Grizzlies. He drew a key foul on a three-point shot against the Grizzlies as well. He had a key uh, shot against the Celtics, although they lost. Uh, and then he had that key three-pointer against the Raptors. Mike Breen hit him with the bang just right there. R.J. Barrett has the silent assassin in him is coming out. I think Anthony Edwards lit a fire under this man. He's been disrespected so many times. And like I said, we're going to get into it a little bit more uh, in the next run, that topic. But R.J. Barrett is now playing like a real superstar, a real number one option. He's playing through his struggles, and we're starting to see him blossom. And it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I think, honestly, I don't give credit to Anthony Edwards lighting up a fire under R.J. Barrett's ass. I think it's more so credit to Drew Hanlon, the shooting coach, who did a phenomenal job in helping him turn his shooting around. So, And, you know, R.J. Barrett, man, he, he hit a big shot, and I, I've, I've looked at the stats over the last couple of games, and it seems like he's uh, getting uh, quite hot from a shooting stroke perspective. But 
As for the Knicks, I don't know about that, bud. <laughs> oh, oh, listen, hey, RJ Barrett is. I I will say it right now. In five years, RJ Barrett will be the best Canadian player in the NBA. Now, not even five years. You know what? I'm gonna give him three years. I know Jamal Murray is balling right now, and he's he's definitely number one. Give RJ a couple of years, and this man is going to rep for Canada. I think he can single handedly bring them to the uh, Olympics. And I think he can he can bring them onto the national stage. But frankly, I don't care what he does for Team Canada. I care what he does for the New York Knicks. And for the New York Knicks is, is the team that he dreamed of playing for. He wanted this challenge. And he is showing up now because people have continually left him to the side, have continually not brought his name up. And now he's starting to show it. He has this team playing at 500. Nobody thought it. You didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. RJ Barrett silently behind Julius Randle, who is the all-star, is, is silently becoming a superstar in the making, and we are going to see something special out of this man. And he did it against his hometown Raptors. Ice in his veins did not matter, did not care. That man put some respect on his name. New York Knicks, they win round two against the Raptors. Mm, it's a beautiful sight to see. All right, we done? I, 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 I can keep going. I can keep going. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the command here. Okay. Uh, let's just wrap up that uh, Rundat segment. Let's head on over to the next topic of Rundat, which is kind of leading to where the RJ Barrett talk is going, and that is ESPN revealing their 25 under 25 list. To those who aren't familiar with this, it is a survey conducted by the media to determine who are the top 25 players under the age of 25. There has been a lot of talk with regards to this list, some shockers as well. Do you think the list is accurate? If not, Yazin, what changes do you think you can make to this list? Not only is this list inaccurate, it's an abomination of sports editorial pieces, as if I've ever seen one. This th- Bobby Marks, I think, is one of the uh, authors of this, and I, and I follow him on on um, on Twitter, and and he, he's big great. salary cap guy, big salary cap guy, not an NBA mind, because this list is ridiculous. Okay, and you want to know why it is. Because of one omission, and I've said his name so many times before, R.J. freaking Barrett is not on this list. How in the world? A 20-year-old. He's 20 years old. And let me let me name some of these players who are on this list, and he's not on this list. Okay, let's go. Number 25, Colin Sexton. Mm, okay. Number 23, Jared Allen. Uh, number 21, Tyrese Halliburton, who's had a handful of games in the NBA. Okay. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Number 17, Mikhail Bridges. Like that was nuts. That was nuts. It's, it's completely utterly insane that he is not on this list. Uh, so, and I think this has to do in part with his sort of resurgence lately, because not only was he left off this list, but he was left off the all rookie team last year in favor of Terrence Davis who was traded for a, 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 a you know a, a chocolate bar over to I don't even know where he was traded to, and Definitely. and Eric Pascal, I, I can I can ask any of our listeners if they know who Eric pa- what Eric Pascal looks like if if we put him up in a police lineup would they able would they be able to pick out Eric Pascal Do you know what team he plays for now Do, Does anyone know what team he plays for now Does anyone know where he went to college Those two were put in front of R J Barrett on the first team all rookie. Seriously? Yo, Come Eric Pascal's a dog, though. He's a dog. You're telling I, me I, right, I now, you right now. <laughs> if, if you were to start a franchise, you picking Eric Pascal over R.J. Barrett? I would wrap, this, York I would wrap definitely... this podcast up right now if you say yes. I think the New York Knicks media and the New York fans would love Eric Pascal's energy. I'll say that. Hey, answer my damn question. 
We shall see, man. I don't you, know if RJ Barrett would have the same success with the Golden State Warriors, man. This he man might look like saying, another Andrew Wiggins. This man was saying he would take Eric Pascal over RJ Barrett. Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna look for a new co-host for the Game Point podcast because that clearly does not know what he's talking about anymore. I'm just and dissing. I'm just I'm dissing. I'm dissing. This man should be on this 25 under 25 list. It's 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 a complete abomination that he's on here. Okay, a lot of these players are are definitely should be on here. I think number one is Luka Doncic. Number two, Zion Williamson. Lamelo is at three, which is I think is pretty high uh, considering some of the people he's over you know uh tatum mitchell darren fox ben simmons devin booker among others i think that you know some of these players yeah sure they definitely deserve to be there and if you were to start a franchise with you know any of those top five guys for sure but you know i don't know what you think about the list but leaving rj off of it and this is not even coming as a knicks fan this is just coming from someone who just watched him play and watch his stats and watch what he does on the court I'm not. Who's taking Colin Sexton and Macau Bridges over this guy? Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. No, like obviously Colin Sexton has been playing phenomenal this year, and I know he's playing for a bad team, which his numbers would be much more inflated than playing on a good team. But I think that RJ Barrett is definitely better than Macau Bridges, so he should definitely be on that list. Like I'm not saying that he should not be on the 25 list, but getting back to my evaluation, initially looking at the list, I think Devin Booker and Jason Tatum are rated a little too low in my opinion. Outside of that, you know, and obviously the um, omission of RJ Barrett, the list seems pretty solid. There was a lot of talk as to why LaMelo Ball is third on the list, and I see both sides of the argument, right? You got LaMelo Ball's potential, which is through the roof, but at the same time, potential is potential. So we will never know if this is the best we'll ever see LaMelo Ball, or he may develop. We'll never know, but he's definitely top five for me, in my opinion. I think Jason Tatum and Booker should be within that top five as well. Luca, Zion, LaMelo, like not in this order though, and then you add Jason Tatum and Devin Booker. I think those two are better than the guys that they have above them. And, and I get some of these guys like Mitchell and Booker are, and, and Simmons are approaching 25 years old already. So like, you know, it's, it's, I get, it's kind of hard to maybe justify that that's where they're looking at it because they are so close to that age, like the kind of the cutoff, but they should definitely be, Devin Booker to me is, is probably top five easily. Uh, I might even put him all the way as high as three over LaMelo because just look what he's doing with Phoenix right now. And he's not even 25 years old. And you can call it the Chris Paul effect and call it whatever you want. But uh, that team only goes as far as Devin Booker. Some of these other guys here, it's, it's a decent list. Uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Brandon Ingram. So is very low on this list for some reason. How is he under Mikhail Bridges? Like, I don't get the hype about Mikhail Bridges. Like, I still think he's just like kind of like a Jay Crowder type of player. Um, not yeah. really much. He's not even an all-star. He hasn't made it to an all. I don't think he was an all rookie either. Like when he was when he first started in the NBA, I don't think. No, because uh, he came off the bench. He was he was a yeah. six man. Uh, like he's great. He's good. He's a three and D guy. He's like Ariza, yeah, like Ariza type. You know exactly. That's a very good comparison actually, because he he's having a career high in points. It's only thirteen points a game. He shoots a great clip at fifty two point nine, and his three point is pretty good at forty percent. But again, you know. This is the top 25 under 25. This is like, you know, if you're, if you're playing NBA 2K and you're starting a new franchise, who are you starting it? Mikhail Bridges is not in my top 25. Maybe he's below. Maybe he's low. Maybe 25, 24. Oh, no. Sabonis should be up there. He's an all-star. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, I'm not too mad for the most part about this list. There may be some some players I may rearrange, and obviously including R.J. Barrett on the list would probably be, make it uh, more stable. But uh, for the most part, I'm okay with it. I don't know, man. It's some of these people. It's uh, you wonder where they get, and and they've caught a lot of flack on Twitter for for this list and you know how they came up with it, but. Like small, even small sample sizes. Like a lot of these rookies too. It's it's hard to to put them so high. Halliburton has been playing really well, but for him to be on the list at this juncture, at you know, as high as he is, maybe a little bit of a stretch too. This list obviously is going to evolve every year. A guy's going to go over twenty five next year's twenty five for twenty five is probably going to be much different. But it's just yeah, this needs a little work. I don't know. I, I wasn't okay with everyone that was on there and and where they were. Yeah, I think more of the debate was regarding LaMelo Ball being top three. <laughs> I remember, I think I saw something on First Take and Undisputed just talking about how blasphemous it was to put a rookie who just has maybe five months of NBA experience and to put him on the top 25, not only putting him in the top 25, but also putting him in the top five or even top five, three. top three. Three. Like, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, for sure, without a doubt. But um yeah, I guess like you mentioned, obviously this this list evolves every year, sometimes multiple times throughout the season, right? So again, maybe we might need to revisit this at the at season's end to see if anything must have changed based off you know uh, playoff success with some of these rookies that make it there, and you know seeing the development throughout the rest of the season. We'll just leave it at that. Our final topic of run that we'll kind of take this off the court. And we got ourselves another basketball movie that may be iconic one for this generation. The sequel to the classic Space Jam movie featuring MJ is now official. We got Space Jam 2 trailer revealed last week starring LeBron James, as well as other basketball stars such as Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, and Diane Taurasi. The movie is set to release on July 16th. What do you think about this trailer and do you think this can compete with the original? So I'm Space Jam is one of my favorite movies of all time. For people who don't know, I when people ask me which favorite movie of all time is, and you know, I, I don't give them like a like an Oscar nominated movie. I, I'll typically tell them Toy Story or Space Jam. It's one of those two. Why? Because it's, they're just great movies. You know, uh, Space Jam is one of those movies that's like it's super campy and super childish, and you know, the idea of Michael Jordan being sucked into Toonland and having to play a basketball game in order to pretty much save it, like. Yeah, okay, it's kind of hokey and whatever, but when you're a kid, that was, like, the most insane movie ever, and, you know, just the, you know, worlds colliding, so this is going to add another wrinkle to the LeBron versus MJ debate, uh, completely unwarranted, mind you, um, I think LeBron James is probably a much better actor than, uh, than Michael Jordan is, and probably will be, because he does live in LA. Look like so far, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a small sample size. It's a small sample size. I mean, he's he he has definitely he lives in LA. He has a production studio. He's he's very much in other multimedia aspects, and the animation is going to be a lot different than it was in nineteen ninety what five ninety six when the first movie came out. And it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. I'm, I'm actually excited for it. You know, seeing the monsters is looking a lot different. They're a lot more individual than just you know, cartoon big guys like they were in uh, in the original one. Damian Lillard has a clock or a watch on his shoulder. I don't know if people noticed that. Clay Thompson is on fire. You know, it, it looks very cool and very, like, uh, sort of individually tailored to these guys. And the story, no one's watching it for the story, man. It's not a cinematic masterpiece. It's not going to get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, but it's going to be fun to me. I'm super excited for it, and I think LeBron's going to hit it out the park. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, I like how they added a few of the character traits for each of the superstars that are that are playing, like you mentioned, with the clock and then Clay with the fire. You know, trying to replicate what was the original when they had, you know, Charles Barkley, I think Patrick Ewing was in it, Muggsy Bogues and a couple of the guys too. So it was quite legendary to pick that where it left off. I think a lot of people are somewhat critiquing the overload of the CGI, I guess. And again, I think it's because we're in that age of, you know, 2021 where everything is so advanced, right? And if you're going to be comparing it to a classic, obviously it's going to be quite over the top, right? Uh, I'm sure that when they created the original Space Jam movie, that was probably something way more outrageous and over the top than a movie in like the 80s or the 70s, right? So I think people need to kind of take that in and not take it seriously. Like you mentioned, it's not a, <laughs> it's not supposed to be a movie masterpiece, uh, rather. It should, it's supposed to be just an experience to kind of go through some of the nostalgic moments, seeing, you know, some of the superstars come together and kind of continue on that storyline from the original Space Jam. So being a basketball fan for all my life, I'm looking forward to seeing how this movie turns out. I don't know if it's going to be in 3D, but I feel like it's one of those movies that you really got to experience in the theater. And considering how, you know, the world is right now with COVID and such, I, th- I feel like it's going to take a little bit away from the experience, right? I feel like I want to be able to put those 3D glasses on and kind of see all the uh, animation and, and the 3D effects of this uh, CGI. So I'm hoping that things start to open up and we get access to the movie theaters and watch this uh, classic. So Now, you're a, you're, a, you're a notorious LeBron hater, a uh, well-known LeBron hater, uh, probably one of the world's biggest LeBron haters. I am back! What it do, baby? Are you going to let that get in the way of your, your movie-going experience uh, when you watch this film? I'm very interested. Oh, almost definitely. Because at the end of the day, I'll give him the greatest actor of all time. I'll give him the greatest businessman of all time. But as for the greatest basketball player of all time, we'll leave that up for debate. So if he really wants to get that GOAT status from the acting standpoint, I'll give it to him, man. If, listen, if he beats the Monstars worse than Michael Jordan beat the Monstars, LeBron's the GOAT. We'll, we'll just say that right now. I mean, look, let's compare the Monstars of, uh, of old versus the Monstars of new. I don't know, man. I think those new Monstars might, might put in the work on those guys. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to compare, though, because they have uh, two WNBA players. So it's, it definitely, it's a different dynamic, uh, so to speak. But, I mean, goodness me, I'm pretty sure Diana Taurasi could cross up you know, Sean Bradley any day of the week. My LeBron critique gene is going to be a little bit more reserved this time around. But once he starts back on the floor in a Lakers uniform rather than a Looney Tunes uniform, that's when I'll start barking. Yeah. And I mean, hey, listen, that first Space Jam movie with the basketball, that soundtrack is still one of the best soundtracks of all time. You know, Basketball Jones, great oh, yeah. song. I mean, I had that on repeat when I was a kid. And some some great quotes. I mean, when uh, when Charles Barkley uh, is playing, you know, against those uh, those kids on the playground, and we got this. Be gone, want to be, be gone. So hopefully we can see that again. Uh, I'm excited. I hope our theaters are open by then. I want to go see it in theaters. July 16th is, uh, you know, it's still got hopefully a little bit more time to, to open things up. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. Hey, you know what I was wondering? I'm surprised why LeBron didn't use Bronny as his son in the movie. I thought it was going to be kind of like a, 
obviously like a different element, but like, you know how, like, I think Will Smith used Jaden, you know, pursuit of happiness, right? Like I thought it was going to be somewhere along those lines, the space jam movie, you know, bring your own son, you know, and kind of have that plot twist, but maybe the casting isn't his responsibility. Space jam three, man, calling it. Bronny James Jr. is going to headline that one. Oh, I thought you were going to say RJ Barrett. <laughs> hey, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. He's next in line. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I said, Space Jam 2, July 16th. Hopefully things start to open up, and we'll definitely talk more about that when the time comes. That wraps up our Run That. Let's head on over to AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? Oh, this AO Moment of the Week for me is long overdue. I missed this last week. And I decided, hey, you know what? Let me use it this week. And I'm sure there's a lot to talk about on this topic. And that is my boy, Paul Pierce. All I have to do is just say his name, and you oh, already know what I'm going to be talking oh about. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Mr. Pierce had a little pork night with his boys out in L.A. You know, having a good time, like anybody else should. Obviously, America's a little different with the whole COVID situation. They're a lot more <laughs> open with regards to their whereabouts and their plans and whatnot. So, you know, I'm sure he probably had his little COVID guidelines imposed in that household. <clears throat> Obviously not. But anyways, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's playing poker night. And I started noticing on his Instagram that he was sharing an open invite saying, hey, fellas, if anybody that I know uh, is in the L.A. area, pull up, you know, we got poker, drinks, whatever the case may be. And he went on live at that point. Went on IG live and a lot of players are responding to him and he's like smoking whatever he's smoking, playing poker, loud music. I'm like, all right, typical turn up, you know, not a big deal. The next thing you know, you look over his shoulder, there's another girl coming by being very flirtatious. And all of a sudden you start seeing this place bumping like it was like ace of diamonds like you know twerking everywhere and like and it was only for maybe like i think like 20 or so minutes i thought it was gonna be like a split second thing and he's gonna cut the lie but this guy kept going and it kind of puts in perspective like how paul pierce is so bad with his use of technology so i remember even maybe a few years back when we we're talking about I think it was free agency where Blake Griffin was locked up in a room with a couple of the Clippers guys trying to convince Blake Griffin to re-sign with the Clippers. There was an emoji war that was going on on Twitter. I'm sure everyone else remembers. And, you know, everyone's using the emoji that's built into your keyboard, right? <laughs> <laughs> he ends up taking a picture of a rocket from Google Images and posts that rather than using a rocket emoji. So that goes to show how limited he is from using technology. So getting back to the IG Live, I guess he just didn't realize that he was there for a tad too long. And obviously, like, the news just gone to fire, right? Everybody else found out. You start seeing screenshots, screen recordings, things of that nature. And then next thing you know, a few days later, he gets fired from ESPN. And I'm sure Rachel Nichols had a lot to do with that probably. But, oh um, you know, when it comes to professionalism and things like that. But, you know, Paul Pierce, you knew that you were getting a one – I think up to like 1.5 million a year, just talking basketball, something that we're doing for free. And, let, and yet you fumble the bag just because you want some girls in the background twerking for you. Like, come on, man, you're, you're a professional athlete. You're a professional NBA analyst. And only that, bro, you got a family, wife and kids, bro. What are you doing, bro? Come on, man. Come on. I don't know. Yes. And take it away, man. I'm uh, sick. I was Kind of at a loss for words at what, what I was witnessing. Uh, I don't think he was inviting people for the poker and the drinks uh, I, uh, and, and the, uh, the other sort of paraphernalia that was around. I, I mean, I thought he was in the WAP music video at one point. 
Gotti! Gotti! Those girls were, uh, it was, it was, it was an experience, uh, just seeing what was going on. It was one, you saw one and then you, you saw two and then you saw three. And in, like I said, Hey, COVID restrictions are a lot more loose over there in, in the United States and, you know, good on them. But, uh, yeah, social distancing was not in effect. I think Paul Pierce had a lapse of judgment there. And the, the debate is going on about like, oh, you know, people are getting so mad about Paul Pierce, like, you know, just sort of expressing himself and, uh, you know, things that people have to understand. There aren't like you have the freedom to say and do what you please, but you don't have the freedom of consequence uh, or from consequence, I should say. Uh, Paul Pierce works for Mickey Mouse. He works for Disney. He works for ESPN. You can't do that <laughs> yeah. stuff uh, when, 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 when you are a member of that. Wherever you go in, in, in your career, especially if you're in the media, you have a morality clause in your contract. You can't go out there and just start wiling and, and bugging and, and doing all these things that is not appropriate for your on-screen image. You know, anywhere you go, it's like that. even in, in normal life for people like us, like I can't go on Twitter and, and just go off on something and, and post this, that and the other. You know, our employers are looking at that and be like, you know, you have you know, to uphold something. So Paul Pierce, I do not feel bad for him because he did not need to do this. I'm sure, I don't even think he had like 300 people watching. You just threw away the bag for like 300 people. Why? Like, listen, do what you want to do on your own terms. You know, go ahead and like, you want to bring all these people out to your house and go hard? Like, hey, listen, I won't judge. Do you, you're Paul Pierce, you're an NBA legend, you know, future Hall of Famer, all that stuff. But understand, put the phone down. Just put, just put the phone down. You, you don't need to be recording that. You don't need to be sending it to your boys. You don't need people knowing. Like you said, he's a family man. So a whole lot of questions there. Yeah, you don't have freedom from consequence. Like, you know, that was completely expected by ESPN to, to uh, sever the uh, relationship. And now uh, rumors are, are swirling that he's going to sign with Barstool, which just makes too much sense uh, because Barstool is <laughs> oh an embarrassment of a media company. And for him to go there, just it's just a match made in heaven uh you know now he can kind of do and say what he wants and people are gonna listen because people for some reason like barstool and i I, i'll never understand what the uh the macho adrenaline you know male viewership of like why people enjoy watching that and listening to that i don't know but hey do you guys that's great paul pierce ends up there It, it makes way too much sense and uh it's a shame because uh he was on espn doing doing his thing and now he's he's not so just put the phone down, guys. That, that's the moral of the story. Put the phone down. Yeah, man. It's definitely poor judgment on uh, on Unk Paul Pierce, man. If you really want to follow a professional lifestyle, look at our Unk, Shannon Sharp. He's able to wild out in a responsible manner. Obviously, when LeBron James does his thing, he got his miles. He got his Hennessy or whatever on the table. He got gummies. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. So, like, you know, you got you to gotta lead by example, Paul Pierce. And, again... Since he's not with ESPN, I would like to see him maybe partner with KG and maybe produce a, another podcast, you know what I mean? Where they can talk about, you know, inside the NBA, like rumors, old school stories. Because, you know, KG is one of the greatest storytellers ever, you know? Very energetic, very detailed, very vocal. 
So it would be nice to have those two pair up together and talk about what was their NBA careers and kind of give us the inside scoop on, you know, locker room, road trips, things like that. Obviously not getting into the complete details, keeping it nice and spicy, you know? So And clearly Paul Pierce will share it because he shares everything. So there's nothing off right? limits for him. <laughs> exactly. We'll see. Hopefully uh, Unk doesn't uh, sign with Barstools and just keeps it humble because he's definitely going to need time to let this thing die down. You know social media. He'll be viral for a while and then let that thing die down. So we'll see. Ugh. And, and, and speaking of ugh, my AO moments uh, are, are on the court. Uh, and there are just a couple of nasty dunks that we've seen this week. Miles Bridges has been playing unbelievably. And he, despite the loss, put Clint Capella on the biggest poster Lord, if I've ever seen one. And obviously we have that Hornets announcer who just has an out-of-body experience every time something happens Legend. on that court. And Miles, that's one dunk. Miles Bridges just completely obliterating. And then the same day, I'm pretty sure, Paul George uh, against the Pistons and Isaiah Stewart just completely yams on him. And, you know, it was, a, I don't know what was in the water that day when everyone was just dunking on everybody, but... My God, this year we have seen a lot of posters. We've seen a lot of nasty, nasty dunks by guys. And I love to see it, man. I love guys trying to play defense and stepping up and taking the challenge. But those two dunks in one day, like sensory overload. Woo. Yeah, I think there were I think there was a count that they said that there was eight posters yesterday. Like quality posters. So we're not talking about side by side, like straight on your head top posters and I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, I never seen a day like this where we saw posters back to back to back to back to back just on House of Highlights, NBA, Bleacher Report, everywhere. And I don't know, like you said, what's in the water. I don't know if it's people finally understanding that we're less than 20 games left in the regular season. You got to turn it up a notch in the playoffs. I'm sure Paul George is going to use that dunk as his highlight of the season. Obviously knowing that Pandemic P is coming sooner rather than later. So uh, with that oh, being no. said, it was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely uh, a good AOMO of the week for sure because I'm really hoping that we get to see multiple posters a day. It's already hard enough to see multiple posters within a year, like more than five, but we saw more than five in one day. Hopefully they get to keep the trend. <laughs> you love to see it. Hey, you love to see it. All right, so that wraps up AOMO of the week. Let's head on over to the games of the week. I love this game! <laughs> So, my game of the week actually goes to the Western Conference, and that is the battle of 7th versus 8th on April 14th at 9.30, and that is the Dallas Mavericks versus the Memphis Grizzlies. We're talking Luka versus John Moran, two completely different point guards, but same electricity, same superstardom, and it's going to be absolute gong show. Like, when you're looking at the play-in tournament where the first game is going to be between the 7th and the 8th seed to lock down the 7th seed. This is already going to be a preview. We're already about 18 games left in the season. So this game is going to be very critical in if the standings stay the same in terms of understanding who is going to end up being 7th, who's going to end up being 8th, and whether that could be potentially used as a scouting report for when that time comes. So looking forward to get my popcorn popping, seeing Luka Doncic going against John Morant. And your boy KP, man, he's been playing hot as of late, man. He's He's been averaging, I think, about 27 points per game, 12 rebounds, and shooting almost like over 40% from three, and shooting a field goal percentage, I think, of 57%. That's your guy, man. He's he's cooking, and uh, I'm looking forward to see that uh, continue on April 14th. 
Huh? Oh, oh, sorry. I just took a nap. Uh, yeah, when, when you lost me at KP, I just, I was, I just got super tired and just had to go to sleep. It was just, <laughs> just oh, uh, but I'm up now. <laughs> KP. Yeah, my game of the week is is uh on Thursday, April fifteenth. It's the uh, the Bucks and the Hawks. Speaking of potential first round matchups, I mean the Bucks have been playing super super well as of late. Uh, they've been up there in the standings, and uh, you know as a as a four seed right now, holding holding down the fort might not last that long. They might end up you know four or five or six. I think six might be their sort of more likely you know landing spot, and six puts them against the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, and you know to see what that team brings and um, seeing what Trey Young can, can do against Giannis. And, uh, you know, I want to see, you know, we've had a lot of these matchups where like superstars go at it and you see them go at it. Like last week, uh, Levine and, and, and Young both went off for over 40 points uh, in a game, uh, which I saw online that if someone put a $50 wager on that, the payout was about $44,000. So missed a shot that on that crazy. one. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So when you have two superstars going at it, you know that they're going to bring the house down. Uh, Trey Young, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, you'd love to see it. They're they're all they're both pretty deep teams, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, so give me that matchup all day. I'd love to see that in the first round. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the Eastern Conference is going to be absolutely crazy. Same thing with the West. So you know, with the playing tournament including seeds from seven through ten, I mean, that's going to be an absolute bloodbath. So I'm looking forward to see uh, what will prevail in the East as well as the West and. Hopefully these games can be a playoff preview for what's to come. So with that being said, let's head all over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? So on Blog Boy Talk, we got one question, and that is, what do you think of A-Rod purchasing the Minnesota Timberwolves? And do you think that might change the direction of the franchise? So, yes, I'm going to hit that over to you. Wow, New York legend. I mean, New York legend. Shout out to A Rod, Alex Rodriguez, the man who put the Yankees back on the map uh, and won them a ring back in '09. Tried to tried to buy the New York Mets uh, last year, failed attempt, was not able to do it. Uh, him and J Lo were looking to purchase it. Rumors are swirling as to what the future is with A Rod and J Lo. I think they're the perfect couple, and I hope they stay together. Um, but maybe this could be a, a divorce purchase. I, I don't know what it was. Um, but what's interesting about this to me is him. He's one of the partners in this purchase. Obviously, uh, the Timberwolves were purchased for $1.5 billion. Okay. And that whenever a team is purchased, it just makes me think about what it would take to buy the New York Knicks. Okay. Because I want the Knicks to be sold like yesterday. You know, I want Dolan out of there as, as quickly as possible. But now that I think if the Timberwolves, Minnesota, okay, that's the first thing, you know, buying a team in Minnesota, not not the basketball capital of the world by any means, uh, a team that has not been relevant in probably 15 to 20 years since 04, since Garnett and Sprewell were running ship, and they went for $1.5 billion. If they went for $1.5 billion, I think the Knicks will go for 4 or $5 billion. and Minimum. Minimum. And that is... A scary thought to think about because who in their right mind, how many people do you need to get together to purchase a team for $5 billion? Dolan has said he's not going to sell the team. And now when he's looking at market prices at teams and the Timberwolves went for 1.5, my God, if he doesn't, if he even thinks about selling it, it's not going for less than $5 billion. But to stay on the Timberwolves, 
it's a good direction for them. I think Glenn Taylor was the owner before, and he got a lot of flack from uh, KG. KG was rumored to be uh, in uh, interested in purchasing the Wolves, but he didn't want to deal with Glenn Taylor. He hates him. He said a lot of really bad, disparaging things about him. And under his ownership, they've been really bad, probably one of the worst teams statistically over the last decade or two. So this is interesting. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see what their direction is now with a new owner and and a a likable owner in Alex Rodriguez. I believe their uh, GM or their president is, is also uh, Hispanic. So that connection is actually going, you know, I think will definitely work wonders for them too. And, you know, they have talent, they have Anthony Edwards, they still have Carl Anthony Towns, they have DeAndre Russell all under the age of 25. You can do something with that there, man. You got to move some pieces around. You got to build around Anthony Edwards. I think, uh, you know, see if if Russell and, and 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 Towns play well together. If not, sell high. You know, uh, we talked last week about Car Anthony Towns moving out east to play against Embiid all the time. So New York connection, A Rod, do it up. You know, so it's gonna be it, it's a good thing when you have a new owner and a, a likable owner, a young owner who's in tune with his fan base. So this is only good news for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I definitely like this purchase for A-Rod because, like you mentioned, he wanted to get into the baseball space, obviously purchasing the New York Mets, but that didn't work out. So I know that he was looking to stay within the sports world. And the fact that he was able to land not only a uh, NBA franchise, but being able to inherit a team that has all kind of pieces like D'Lo, Cat. And Anthony Edwards seemed to be quite lucky to say the least. You know, he could have got a really garbage franchise, you know, at a low price and had to figure out a way to work things out. But uh, Carlton Towns is actually one of the few guys that have been pretty excited about this ordeal, talking about how big of a fan he was of A-Rod. And now the fact that he's the owner of the franchise in which he's playing for almost is somewhat of a rejuvenation of confidence and ability to play even harder for this franchise. And that might suit well for the Minnesota Timberwolves in terms of the direction they're willing to take. And not only that, you got a, a sports mind, right, that is, you know, perhaps could be beneficial for the Minnesota Timberwolves and kind of figure out which direction they want to take. I'm not saying that a sports mind is always going to help, but it's better than someone who's not into sports, right? So I'm really happy with A-Rod and getting into the ownership. Obviously, he's a very stout businessman. He's uh, he's been featured on Shark Tank a few times, you know, as an as a big investor. So the fact he was able to get his hands on an NBA franchise in a league that's really growing internationally is definitely going to yield dividends for him in the near future. Congrats to him, and congrats to the Timberwolves. I mean, they they got a good one in him, and I'm hoping that this might change the direction of this franchise and move towards uh, success uh, sooner rather than later. Man, shout out to A Rod, just doing. Doing, doing what he wants to do, man. He's he's living the dream. Yeah, man. I remember he was one of my favorite players growing up uh, as a baseball player when I was younger. I remember when he played for the Texas Rangers, and then he, they landed in that big trade to the New York Yankees. They still paid the remaining contract that he had signed with the Texas Rangers, and in addition to that, signed him to a 10-year, $275 million. And I remember myself being the 12-, 13-year-old self and just hearing about million signed to one player was absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, obviously the success came in its way and we're not going to get into the controversial situation with him in in the baseball light, but just for him being a person and being an owner, it's definitely going to pay dividends for a franchise like the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we'll just leave it at that. Take care of him, Minnesota. Yep. 
All right, so that wraps up Blogboy Talk as well as our episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, Gameboy Pod on IG and Gameboy Pod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms as well as Google platforms. And add reviews if you can. That'd be greatly appreciated. Is there anything like the idiasm before we take off? Yep. Oh my goodness, man. With that said, we'll end it off. That's game.